glad to see you guys this morning. And uh, I don't know, did, did, did JJ ask you why you were here today? Did, did, did you ask him, hey, why are you here today? You're here to, to, to help each other do what? See to see life from God's perspective. Don't ever forget about it. That's the only reason we exist is so that it helps us see life from God's uh, perspective. Everything that's going on. So that we can then help others. It's awful hard to help others see life from God's perspective if you're not seeing it that way. Gone are the days where you can't practice what you preach, man. You can't no longer say, do as I say, not as I do, man. You got you to gotta be doing it. People want to see for real. How many of y'all know God is for real? He is alive. Just some moral compass for society. But he really truly is alive. It's omniscient that no world. They're kind of figuring out that maybe the news don't know everything. Maybe the politicians don't know anything. Maybe their doctors don't know everything, you know? They're figuring that out. And, and, and so God does. And God loves us. And he wants, he wants to rescue us. And then he wants to use us to rescue others. And then we get to go, where's your home at, man? Let me ask you, where's your home? Heaven. heaven. Exactly. And how long are you going to be in heaven? <laughs> Forever. Uh, I got to do this, man. I just got to do it. I think the Holy Spirit wants somebody to see it. I'm picking up sand off the floor here. And uh, Chris, you want to grab like 100 grains of sand off my feet for me? No? All right, I'll just do it, man. Right here, I share this a lot. I even put a meme up yesterday. Somebody had, uh, I had seen where they took a few grains of sand. But if, if I could get you to imagine, there's 100 grains of sand right here between my fingers. And if each one of those represents a year of life, man, that's a big life. That's a long life. There's nobody in here that's even 100 years old. But eternity, represented by grains of sand, is not even represented by all the rest of the sand in the universe. Not represented by all the dirt. And that's how long we're going to be in heaven if we have Christ. So when we give our life to Christ, he's got a purpose from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home. And, and it's when we forget that purpose that we get in trouble. So I want to read you guys something real super quick. Um, something... Uh, I've been following it for a long time. It's called the Crude Little Life-Saving Station. How many of y'all ever heard about the Crude Little Life-Saving Station? All right, it was written, I don't know, maybe in the 1800s somewhere, but things don't change. And this is kind of the pilgrimage of most Christian organizations. And Christian organizations, from the church to, uh, you know, parachurch organizations, they're just made up of Christians. So this is what happens to most Christians. So listen carefully to this. It's just a little story somebody made up, but it's more true than you could even believe. It starts off and says, on a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. Kind of like there was right down in Stewart there. The building was just a hut. There was only one boat, but a few devoted members that kept a constant watch over the sea. And with no thought for themselves, they went out day and night, tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station so that it became famous. Some of those were, who were saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station and give their time and money and effort to support its work. New boats were bought. New crews were trained. The little life-saving station started to grow. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge for those who are saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture and an enlarged building. 
Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. And they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as sort of a club. You start to see something here? Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do the work for them. The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crew brought in boatloads of cold, wet, smelly, half-drowned people. They were dirty, they were sick, they were different. And the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. Can you imagine? It was messed up. <laughs> and uh, so the property committee, you heard of the property committee, right? <laughs> the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before coming inside. <laughs> and the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some of its members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all those various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they were just going to have to build their own life-saving station down the coast. Guess what? They did. And as the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that occurred in the old. They evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit that seacoast, they say, today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. There's still people drowning and still people needing to be saved. But now, most of the people just drown. Author unknown. Man, that's the pilgrimage. How many of you all came to Christ because the pain to change became less than the pain to stay the same? You were in a position where, man, I've got to have something. I've exhausted my resources emotionally, mentally, physically. However, you came into some sort of crisis where God came in as the rescue and you gave your life to Christ during a tough time. Anybody? Amen. Yeah, that's generally what happens to us. During a tough time, when we can handle it, we can handle it. I got it. Even if it's tough, dude, I'm going to make it through it. And I make it through who? You know it's not the greatest, but it's like, okay. But when the pain to change becomes less than the pain to stay the same, and you realize that there's no hope without Christ, you give your life to Christ. You can tough it out as long as you want, but at some point, if you're going to be saved, God gives you the desire and the ability to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Christ. How many of y'all had that happen so far? Right? We've done that. And many of us have. And if you haven't today, and God's giving you a desire to surrender yourself to him, I want you to know that's not a desire you're mustering up in the flesh. That is a desire that he gives you. In fact, in John chapter 3, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he told him, he said, the Holy Spirit brings that desire, and it's like the wind. How many of y'all felt the wind this morning? How many of y'all knew when the wind was going to start? Anybody y'all know? Yesterday, you're like, well, according to weather bug, how many of y'all know weather bug is wrong sometimes? Dude, I called off our boat trip that morning. I was hoping you'd talk me out of it, Mac, on Wednesday. I'm not blaming you. 
I'm just, I'm not blaming you at all, but I looked and I'm like, oh, it's maybe, it's going to rain. It's surely going to rain after in the afternoon and, and it's going to be windy. And I call off the boat trip Wednesday. And how many of y'all know Wednesday did not get a drop of rain anywhere? It was, it would have been awesome. I don't know what happened, but weather bug let me down. <laughs> but so, so we don't even know when the wind's coming. How many of y'all know when this wind's going to lay in? To the T. Nobody knows when it's going to be over. We say, oh, it's a couple days when the front moves, whatever. All. We have that, but we don't know the timing. And, and Nicodemus was told by Jesus, he said, the desire to give your life to Christ is like the wind. You don't know when it's coming and you don't know when it's going to leave. So if you know it's there, go fly the kite. If you know it's there, give your life to Christ now. Because without that desire, just like Zane said, without the desire to give your life to Christ, you're not going to give your life to Christ. It's not going to happen. So you do it while he gives you that desire. And so what happens is when we do give our life to Christ and all of that, man, and we've been rescued. How many of y'all told everybody about your rescue? How many of y'all were pretty excited about your rescue? Uh, man, I mean, and, and hopefully you still are. But what might happen is we settle into, we've got a battle, Paul tells us. A battle between what I want to do and what God wants to do. But in order to get saved, you gave your life to who? To God. You gave your life to him. So, so I'm just going to tell you, biblically, when you give your life to God, it belongs to who? God. And it's all about your will being surrendered to his will. When you truly get saved and you give your life to Christ, it's about his will. Andrew Murray was drowned in one of the great awakenings. In fact, I just saw something, uh, one of his quotes. He said, you give up your will. You have no will. You surrender your will. It's not about coming up with a compromise between what I want to do and what God wants to do. What it is, is if there's ever a conflict, I do what God wants me to do. And the more I do what God wants me to do, the more I want to do what God wants me to do. Because I see it works out and I see it's a pretty awesome thing. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But the fact is, our pilgrimage as well as the pilgrimage of most churches, and, and man, if you ever see it getting this way at Driftwood, I want you to come at me full force. I don't ever want to be a cruise ship. I want to be a life-saving boat. We need to be a lifeboat, not a cruise ship. But yet, there are times we just want to be in that cruise ship. Can you imagine? Uh, how many of y'all have been on a cruise ship before? Let me see your hand. You've been on a cruise ship? All right. Anybody ever been on a Disney princess or one of those, you know? Yeah, okay. Okay. Now, you guys signed up. You paid big bucks, whatever. I don't know how you got it. Um, uh, you, but, but you showed up. Can you imagine? Now, what were you expecting when you're, you were expecting a big, pretty boat? You were expecting pristine. Were you expecting food? Chris was. And, uh, you know, you're expecting food. You're expecting all. You got your itinerary. You've been looking forward to it. Can you imagine when you pulled up to the dock if instead of the Disney princess, there was a life saving boat if there was a coast guard boat they put you on how many of y'all ever been on a coast guard boat yeah a coast guard boat where yeah there's rescue going on yeah can you imagine if they put you on that what would you have said what there's some mistake well i'm supposed to be on the disney princess cruise with all this unlimited food and unlimited man everything and we're supposed to be going to cancun and wherever i don't know why cancun's my mind but anyways it's like we're supposed to go all these places but instead Dude, now you're in a Coast Guard boat and you're going offshore into six to nine foot seas. And they give you gear that's supposed to protect you and make it easier. Can you, can you imagine the disappointment? 
I'm telling you, that's what the church is preaching to people. They're saying, come give your life to Jesus. It's like the Disney Princess Cruise. And everybody's like, I'll sign up. Yes, I don't want my old life. I want Jesus' Disney uh, Princess Cruise, and he's going to provide everything I want. He's going to give me everything I want. Life's going to be smooth sailing once I give my life to Christ. How many of y'all heard that? Everything's going to be good. Devil's going to leave me alone. I'm not going to have any more problems. How many of y'all have heard that? Isn't that what's been preached for the church? But in reality, what is happening is the Bible teaches that we are now on a Coast Guard cutter the minute we are saved. Can you imagine the disappointment? Can you imagine why new churches are started when the Bible's being preached? And then they start saying, no, but I'm going on the Disney cruise. We're going to start a church called First United Baptist Methodist Christian Disney Cruise Church. And this is our theology. And anything that goes against our theology, man, we're just not preaching. We're not te because we want you to be happy. Find your dream and, and hold on to your dream. And anything negative that comes against your will and your dream, we're just going to say that's the devil. And we're going to come against it and cast it out. And there it is. That is not biblical. Yes, it's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, you know when we get to go on the Disney Princess Cruise? And you know when we get to go, and you know how long we get to go for? Steve Carswell, you spend your life sharing that gospel, which all of us should, but man, you're down in Miami, you're all over the place. When do we get to go and, and be on the Disney Princess Cruise? God's Disney Princess Cruise. When this life is over. And let me ask you a question. Hey, you know, now I don't know, maybe you had a rough cruise, maybe there was... What are some of those norovirus or something? I read about it on the cruise things. I've never really been on a cruise. Yeah, all those different viruses, you know, cruise virus and different things. But, dude, maybe then you want it over. But most people, oh, the cruise is over. Guess what? When you die and you go to heaven, you have family that has Jesus and they have died and gone to heaven. They are on the prin God's princess cruise. And I'm saying that facetiously. They are on an all-expense-paid trip to paradise. Is that not awesome? And that's where you will be when you leave this planet. You're like, well, I want it now. Well, you know what? Go for it. You either get it now or you get it later. But the minute you give your life to Christ, he puts you on the Coast Guard cutter. And your job is to go rescue people who he brings in your life. How many of y'all know that? Amen. That is our job. And that is what, when it talks about, Steve, I know you guys like to use the, the, the verse about being a new creation in Christ. And when you're a new creation in Christ, what's that A word? Oh, he's talking to his daughter out. I'm just messing with But what is the new word that we've been created to be? An ambassador. Yeah, an ambassador now for him. So we're, we're, rest, we're Coast Guard guys on this Coast Guard boat rescuing people. And it's for a short period of time. Again, 100 grains. You want to count them? You know what? Why? Because they're on my feet? Okay. All right. So, but 100 grains, man, for a short period of time. How many of y'all think you're going to be here another 100 years? How many of y'all think you're going to you think, you think really you're going to be here another 100 years? Oh, man, I'm praying for you. I, I want to be here another 100 years. I can't wait to go on cruise. <laughs> don't cry for me when I die, literally. You know biblically where I'm going to be. Celebrate it. 
and can't wait to get there too. Now you got to go in God's timing and there's some pretty cool stories that are going to happen while we're on that Coast Guard cutter, right, for God. There's some pretty cool things that God's going to do. So in fact, it's way more exciting on that Coast Guard cutter, I think, than it is on the cruise. Anybody ever get bored on a cruise? It's like, you can only eat so much, right? You know what I'm just saying? It's there. But dude, man, the adventures you have. I used to tell kids when I was a youth pastor, if you're bored, follow the Lord. <laughs> if you're bored, follow the Lord, because you will not be bored ever again when you truly follow him, moment by moment by moment. It's like when you have that baby, Destiny. Right now you're like, oh, I'm going to spend every moment with this baby. We'll give you a few months. No, uh, hopefully we see you again. We will see you again at some point, right? But you understand that you're never going to go to the bathroom by yourself ever again. Ever. Period. Because even if you are, Jack's got Jack's like, here, take this baby. He's going to shove him under the door, whatever. It's at some point. Yeah. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different. But so listen, man, here's, here's the deal. Um, the deal is, is what many believers allow themselves to drift into that cruise ship mentality instead of the rescue boat mentality. And the real fun is going to be in that rescue boat mentality. How many of y'all got some cool God stories? Cool God stories where he threw you in, he's used you? Yeah. Things that are like, whoa. How many of y'all got some boring cruise stories? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay, you know. Uh, and I'm not saying it's all bad, but I am saying that the Coast Guard stories are going to be way, while you're here, are cooler than the cruise stories while you're here. But you understand, when we go on cruise, when we leave this planet, it's going to be phenomenal. So we can't forget what we're here for. And so as believers, now we all have different jobs. We're all very different. We're, and in fact, you know, this has kind of come up a couple of times in the last few weeks. Uh, people talking, Charlie, we were talking in the woods the other day. We're, everybody, I've been having this conversation a lot. How, you know, God allows some people to be poor. Did you know he does that? that because, you know, what if he needs poor people to minister to poor people? He's got people. God needs some people to maybe not have it, uh, quite the education somebody else has. God, did you know that everybody doesn't have the same IQ? Hey, do you and your husband have the same IQ? No, yours is way higher, right? I'm not messing with that. Yeah, he's going, yeah, right. Yeah. In different areas, you're like, well, hers is high there. Her. But we don't have the same IQ. We don't have the same looks. We don't have the same talents. We don't have the same, we don't have the same socioeconomic status. We don't have the same. Uh, we're different in so many ways. So which, who, who here has got it down and say, everybody needs to be like me? I have achieved the right status, the right job, the right family structure, the right everything. I have it down. Anybody here want to tell us? Uh, and then you can write a book and we'll follow you, right? Isn't that what happens? But how many are glad that you're different? Even in a family. Hey, how many, how many kids y'all got? Like 8,000 in your family? No, seriously. How many in your family? Like Six? Are, why are you looking at your mom like she's going to pop another one out right now? Like, six? Are you guys the same? Radically different, right? I mean, in so many ways. It's so cool to watch big families and see how they're radically. Would you say they're all different? Oh, my. And they change all the time, too, right? Hey, do you guys know Steve Carswell in the back there? They also had eight million kids. And they're all different. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still having them, but I'm just, you know, I'm just messing with you. Are you, Kyla? No, you're done? Quiver's full? Okay. All right. Oh, man, don't ever say never. You know how God likes to do things, right? <laughs> All right. So, but we're different. 
And God made us that way. So God's got somebody for everything. So don't try to be like somebody else. You're supposed to try to, as believers, we're supposed to not try to be like somebody else. We're supposed to be like who? Christ. Each one of us like Christ. A spirit-filled us. And that's how he wants us to be. And so you're wondering, well, when are you going to preach the word? When are we going to get in the word? Anybody wondering that yet? Go ahead, put your hand up. Come on. <laughs> we're almost there. And i got to tell you where we're going. It, we're, we're, I started originally. We finished 1 Peter last week. And I'm like, originally, yeah, we're going in 2 Peter. Boom, boom. And then I study in 2 Peter. And I'm like, no, I get personal devotion. I'm in Ephesians. You're like, do Ephesians. I'm like, yes, Ephesians. Man, Ephesians, what a great book. And so I was ready for Ephesians, and a couple of weeks ago, he's like, oh, 1 John. And I started looking at 1 John, and I was ready to preach. Yeah, Ashley even asked me there, what are you preaching on? What are you starting on? I'm like, 1 John, man. Karen, 1 John. Prayer warriors, 1 John. I got prayer warriors here, and they're like, yeah, they've been praying for 1 John. I, I hope you haven't been praying for 1 John. I hope you've been praying, and I'll have what God wants me to have. And guess what? I got up yesterday morning, and I'm like, all right, God, thinking about 1 John, thinking about the message. He said, it's not 1 John. I'm like... But come on! I even had somebody preach and say, you better have a good message because I am tired from praying for you. Not tired of praying for you, but tired from that. I have prayer warriors praying for things. And, and I said, well, God, what is it? And I just started reading all those books again. And he just brought first or second Peter out. So wonderful. It's only three chapters. And we're not going to cover them all today. <laughs> we could maybe, but no, we're, we're just going to cover one little, one little part of the first one. But we're going to be in 2 Peter. And what Peter is reminding his congregation of is this. He's saying, guys, if you will be Coast Guard Coasties on a Coast Guard boat and you will learn your job and learn how to use the equipment, you will have a blast. And one day you will then get to be on the, on the cruise ship and you'll be there forever. But for now... God's got some really cool things he wants to accomplish through you. But you have to realize that you are on a rescue boat and not a cruise ship. And that's where we start with this. So first of all, I want you to see this, that Christ followers are all on the same boat. We're all on the same boat. Now, I know when coronavirus came out, everybody, well, we're all on the same boat, different seats, whatever. People came out with these long things, and half of you posted it, because I did read it on your page. We are not in the same boat. You have money, I don't. We have doctors, I have this, all these. No, as Christians, okay, just get my context. As Christians, as Christ followers, as believers, we are in the same boat. And you know what that boat's called? It's called faith. It's called Christ. That same boat, that boat we're all in is headed to where? Where's our boat going? Heaven. Heaven. It's going. And who's our captain that's taking us there? Gary, who's our captain taking us there? It's Jesus. If you ain't got Jesus as your captain and your boat's not called faith, you, you're on the wrong boat. I'm telling you. You got to get on that boat. That is the boat that every believer's in. Now, some of us are in the front, some are in the back, some are in the middle, some are in the side, some are, you know. How many of y'all know it makes a difference? of your conditions as to where you're sitting in a boat. It makes a big difference. When I'm going down that river and the, and the wind howling like this, you know what? I tell my wife, hey, sit over on this side. <laughs> sit over on this side because every time a weight comes, dude, it's going gonna, it's gonna to soak everybody on this side, you know? And, and in Nicaragua, we were on these panga boats. They were pretty cool. And I didn't know, but there was, there was like Bisqueen rolled up on the side. 
And I didn't really understand what that was for. And here we are going. All of a sudden it starts raining. And I'm on the side. And I have a responsibility. So I have to grab this queen. And I take the bisqueen, I lift it up, people in the middle lift it over, and now we are riding through these winding rivers like Space Mountain. We're under black bisqueen. And so, and everyone had different jobs. It's like every time you're in a boat, depending on your seat, there's different conditions, different things, responsibilities, different things you have to do. And so all of us are in the same boat, but we have different jobs. Even when the household, we have different responsibilities, different talents, different gifts, and our captain is Christ. So Christ followers are all in the same boat. That boat is captained by Christ, and it's going to heaven. How many of y'all are excited to be in that boat? Yeah. But I want you to know, and this is what 2 Peter's about, it is a rescue boat, not a cruise ship. Now, anybody, uh, uh, Terry's not here today. But I had a long half-hour conversation with him last night, and I learned everything there was to learn about being a rescue swimmer in the Coast Guard. So, and, and I have some, some good stuff I'll share with you guys later in that. But do you think that some people, that there's fun to be had on, on a rescue boat? What do you think, Boston? you think people have fun on? Do you think there's some times where you do have some leisure time? Do you think there's some time where it's, where it's not maybe hard, hard work? Do you think there's some, some things you get to experience that are really cool that no one else gets to experience? Hey, Rena, your son, he, he's in the Coast Guard. It's everything about a, you know, and, but there's some cool places, cool things. So again, God's got numerous things for us to do, but we can't lose sight of the fact we're on a rescue boat and not a cruise ship. That's why many Christians are disappointed when false theology kicks in and all of a sudden there's 15 to 20 foot seas and you're pitch poling and you're getting soaked and you're like, well, God must not love me. God must be punishing me. God must be. Anybody ever heard those words? God's punishing me. No, he's not. God's letting you go through some cool things with the best equipment there is. So you got a cool story later and other people get to get rescued. That's what God's purpose is in it. So as Christ follows, we're all the same boat, but we're in different seats, and it's a rescue boat, not a? Because one day we will be in a cruise ship, and where's that going to be? All right, now you can go to sleep. I'm going to preach the rest of the message. But I want you to know that right there. All right, check it out. All right, so we talked about same boat, different seats. I'm going to show you this biblically from these two verses. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Look at this, man. It says Simon Peter, okay? Now, Simon Peter, who was Simon Peter? Dude, he was Jesus' number one dude, right? Yeah, who else? He was an apostle. He got to write some books of the Bible, man. He was the dude who preached Pentecost. I mean, he had a lot of accolades, right? Ryan, he had a lot of accolades. Hey, Ryan, I got a Ryan that's taller than you over there. You guys are going to have to measure each other. But you didn't know there was another Ryan in there. All right, but Ryan... Uh, he had all kinds of accolades, right? Many things he could have claimed as fame and, 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 and you know, how, how awesome he was. But look at this, how he, first way he identifies himself. He said, Simon Peter, a what? A servant. And it's the word doulos in the Greek, doulos. And it is a third level galley slave. He said, I'm a slave. One of the things we've done wrong in our Bible is we've translated slave or servant as uh, or, as, or that, that word dulios instead of slave as servant. How many of y'all would like to think of yourself as a slave? I do, because i got a great master. <laughs> but we have such bad connotation, and all the translations say, oh, a servant. Doesn't servant make you feel like it's up to you? Oh, I think I'll serve in the soup kitchen. 
I think I'll serve in the parking lot. I think I'll serve. As opposed to being a slave, Colleen, if you say, I'm a slave, what does that mean? Do you, do you get to think where you're going to be a slave? Who does? Who tells you where you're going to be? Your master. And there's a big difference between the connotation. That's where we get this, these misnomers. We get this bad theology. I'm a servant. Oh, I'm serving in the choir. I'm serving in the soup kit. I'm serving here. I'm serving there. And I choose. As long as I got enough servant buttons, servant badges, I'm good. When does God want to serve in, Charlie? Now. Yeah, now, which means all the time. So if we would consider ourselves slaves, man, because that's what we truly are. And now a third level galley slave. Okay, so there was a first level, right? And how many of y'all would like to be a slave up on deck where the sunshine and fresh air? You're like, no, I'm kind of, I have that alabaster skin. I think I'd rather be, well, I'll go below. Well, you know what second level was? Second level was where they rode the boats. All, of, all the strong rowers would be in there. And then you know what the third level, the final level was? Help me out. It's a bilge. Everything from the first deck goes to the second deck. Everything Captain Mac from the second deck and first deck goes where? The third deck. And he says, I'm a third level galley slave, man. Galley, I guess they prepared food down there, which doesn't sound very wholesome, right? But it means I'm the lowest slave there is. It means I, and, and again, what he's saying is, is I don't call the shots. I have a master that's omniscient that knows everything. I have a master that's omnipotent that can do anything. And I have a master that's omnipresent. He's even down on that third level with me. I have a master that I worship. And I couldn't think of anything better to do than what that master has called me to do. That's the life of a believer. That's what he says we are. We're a slave. Can you say that? I am a slave. Say that. I am a slave. Whew, that's hard, isn't it? It sounds much better to say, oh, I'm serving the Lord, <laughs> right? I'm serving the Lord. That sounds so much better, and it feels better, because if he calls me to serve over here, and I don't really want to, I can serve three times over here to make up the one place I didn't want to serve, right? Isn't that kind of how we view it? And all of a sudden, before we know it, we're serving now on a cruise ship instead of rescuing people on a rescue boat. It's too choppy for me. <laughs> Third level, baby. <laughs> all that comes down, you know, all the, the, the starts there goes down. So Simon Peter says, man, I'm a slave. He could have called himself all kinds of things. I'm a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. And it's important, you know what? Some people have an allegiance to a pastor. Some people have allegiance to a church. Some people have allegiance to a denomination, or no denomination, or whatever. But our allegiance spiritually needs to be to who? Jesus Christ. Yes. A personal relationship that we start at salvation, and we grow as we're going to see. We grow, and the longer we're in that relationship, the tighter we become. So he says, man, I'm a servant, I'm a slave, third level galley slave, an apostle to Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm writing this book, this little three-chapter book, to those who have obtained this same faith. Or the people that share this same precious faith. Now, Peter, he was a rough, tough, white man, rough, tough fisherman. 
And in fact, when we do get to John, everybody thinks of John as this nice little effeminate dude that was always about love. He was actually, him and James, sons of thunder, when you study them, they were actually two rich brats that really went off on people when things didn't go their way. But John, I mean, but Peter, Peter was just your average dude. Peter reminds me of your dad, Josh. Peter just gets in there and does what needs to be done, man, and just, you know, I'm fishing, whatever. And how many times have you heard your dad say the word precious? <laughs> you just choked on yourself because that's not a word your dad would come out of prep. You would die if your dad said precious, right? But Peter was the same way. But Peter uses this word precious concerning the word of God, concerning his faith, concerning God. He uses it more than any other person. God is all, Peter's always saying, dude, this is precious. He's talking about our faith. He said, this is written to all of you who share the same, what? Help me just say it. How many of y'all are not precious speaking people? You would never say the word precious. Let me see your hand. Okay, good. Just Roger? All right. The rest of you are like, I ain't raised my hands to make me say it. No, I'm not going to make say it. Just say this, guys. For all of us, it's written to all of us who share the same, what? Precious faith. Precious faith, man. If it's precious to Peter, dude, and his relationship with Christ, man, to somebody who wouldn't even use the word precious, you know it's got to be precious. And he used it a lot. He's talking about our faith. But look at what he says. This is where I say we're all in the same boat, different seats. He says, you have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. So you who have given your life to Christ are covered by his blood. You're saved by, by what he did on the cross and, and, brought, and, and made the life after you're dead by his resurrection power. Man, how many of you, when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, oh, dude, there's Peter. Oh, whoa, it's going to be like meeting Hulk Hogan in the Miami airport for my mission team back in the day. Oh, my goodness, Hulk Hogan. Oh, my goodness, Shaquille O'Neal. We look at these people like celebrities, don't we? You know? And by the way, when my kids, I'm going to Trinidad, going to Jamaica on mission trips. They met Hulk Hogan. They met Shaquille O'Neal. They met these, met these famous people, and they're getting ready to go on mission trips and share Jesus with people. You know what, they came back, I asked, they were showing me their autographs they got from them. And I said, but did you tell them about Jesus? Oh, I can't tell them. And I was like, wow, do you really, really know why God put you with them? Just one word, it's not you that do it, it's God's word. He uses you as that mouthpiece. But check this out, there is no celebrity status in heaven. If anybody was going to have celebrity status beside Jesus, who would you think? Who are some of your heroes of the faith? Moses, dude. Yeah, man. Oh, I just want to, dude, I just want to touch Moses' foot. Dude, I touched Moses, man. Did you know, Brandon, how long have you been saved now? A couple months, a couple months or so. Did you know if you died right now and went to heaven that you and Moses are on equal footing? Do you know that you and Moses are the same, bro? Because how did Moses get saved and how did you get saved? The blood of Christ. Our salvation is the same. He says, we have a faith of equal standing. You see that? You have, we have equal standing. And especially, well, I, you know, I've been saved 35 years. I've been saved 85 years. I've been, it doesn't matter if you've been saved. You've been saved by the blood of Christ. And we all have equal standing. Man, you know what I'm going to do? When I see Elijah, Elijah's one of my guys. Elijah! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Morgan's probably going to be doing that too. Oh, that's so rad, Elijah. No, I <laughs> Literally, we're not going to be like idol worship and be like, oh, 
you know, we're going to be like, aren't you grateful for what Jesus did? In the, before the cross, the Old Testament saints were looking forward to a Savior. We are looking back to the fact that there is a Savior, but we're all saved by that Savior. And we are all in the same boat. Did you know you're in the same boat with Moses, bro? I'm in the same boat with Elijah. Who else got some heroes in the Bible? Barnabas. Who? Barnabas. Barnabas. Yeah, the encourager. You're in the same boat with Barnabas. Who's your guy? Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Dude, the lions. Oh, Daniel. He's like, oh, man, the only way I could get through the lions is the same way you got through Corona, and that was the grace of God. <laughs> Literally. Whatever you had to get through, we're getting through it the same way. And the same tools are available. And it's God that's putting us in each place in every time period. That's why you can either do it on your own and struggle it out and grit it out and say it was a success and die and go to hell. Or you can do it with him and brag on him continually. We're saved the same way. So, man, look at this. To those, I'm writing this, to those who obtained, they share the same precious faith, a faith of equal standing with ours. Now, the disciples are going to have special places. There's going to be different levels of reward, but nobody is going to be Nobody's going to be upset. I don't understand it, and neither do you, and neither does any commentators. We do know Jesus said, Invest what you got in him. I will make it worth it. If Jesus made that kind of a promise about a return on investment, you think he's going to deliver? Yeah. Way better than your stockbroker or, if you don't like to gamble, the lady who sold you the lottery tickets. <laughs> oh, I feel this is a good one. I feel this. Yeah. No, Jesus said, whatever you invest in him, he's going to make it well worth it. Hey, and Ralph, how much did he want us to invest in him? Everything, everything, because we gave him our life. He doesn't want part of it. He wants it all. And he's going to make it worth it. So a faith of equal standing with ours. And look what the standing, it all came by the righteousness, the justice and fairness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the only Savior. It came by his righteousness. So Jesus was God. Stayed God, became completely human. How many of y'all fully understand that in your finite mind? I don't have a clue, dude. Same thing with the Trinity. I've got a lot of learning to do when I get to heaven and I lose this finite body. But I just got to believe through faith. I got to believe through faith. He's God. He's man. And how many sins did Jesus commit while he was here? None. So when he died on a cross, he was not paying for his own sins. He was paying for whose? Now, now, how many of y'all said ours? How many of I always say, when I answer that question, I always say, mine. Who, whose sins did he pay for? Mine. Yeah. And he gave you the desired ability to believe that. Do you know in 1 Corinthians it says that before you believed that, it was foolishness? It was crazy. How many of y'all remember those crazy days? You're like, dude, I don't believe that junk. That's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. That's why it's called faith. Because it gives you a little seed of faith. And if you use that seed of faith, he gives you more. But if you don't use it, what happens? You lose it. But if you take that little seed of faith he gives you and use it, dude, he grows it in you. How many of y'all are evidence that that seed grows? Yeah, that's it. So we're all saved by the righteousness. And again, this whole world wants to talk about justice. Let me put this thought to you. And I'll challenge every one of you on this. Not an argument. But what more do we need to add to the word justice? 
You know what justice means? It's, it's fairness. It's the fairness and righteousness of God who made everything and gets to call the shots. Anytime somebody puts another word with the word justice, they've got an agenda. There's something up. We do not need to put any other words with the word justice. We don't need to describe it in any other way because justice is who God is. And whatever God does and whoever he is, that is love, that is justice, that is righteousness, that is fairness. And anytime we throw another word with it, we're tweaking God's definition of justice. And you watch how the world does that. Watch how we do it and how we get sucked into it. You want, what, you want to know what justice is? Give your life to Christ. Receive grace, which is more than what you deserve which is salvation, and he puts a heart in you, and as you follow him, you're going to see what justice is, and about the third point here coming up, you're going to see what it looks like, and it doesn't need anything else added to it, including the word social or whatever, racial or economic or whatever, it, it includes it all. So he said, the faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness, justice, and fairness, that's how that word's translated in, in the Greek, and it's not of what our politicians say, not what you determine in your own household. It's what God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, determines. He's, because, because what's he the expert at? Everything. And if he's the expert and you disagree with him, what does that mean? You're wrong. Because <laughs> he's the expert. So that's the first step, realizing, man, we're all in the same boat, just different seats. And we're all there because of the grace, the justice, the mercy of God. And so he goes on and says, man, because we're all in that equal faith, he said, may grace and peace be multiplied to you as you grow. Look at that. Multiplied to you as you grow in the knowledge. And, and I took that from other translations where they added that as you grow because that's implied in the Greek. So this grace and peace is multiplied as you grow in the knowledge of God in our Lord and Savior. Now, this word knowledge it's not a head knowledge. It's the word gnosko in the Greek. And when, when it says Mary did not know a man before she was with jo before when she was with Joseph, when it said she didn't know a man, what did that mean? It means she had no intimate relationship. The word gnosko in scripture in the New Testament talks about when it says you don't know, you didn't know somebody, it's talking about intimate relationship. It's not intellectual, it's an intimate relationship. And you only get that intimate relationship by experience with somebody by doing life with them by experiencing it it's not you know what we have right now how many of y'all know we have internet experts <laughs> people that go on the internet and they study something and now they're experts josh i quit picking on you because you're josh here's what we do man people who we know are like first time here and all, i know josh for a long time dude uh, all this stuff but man I, we pick on y'all because we do say if we don't scare you off welcome to the family we try to scare you off and if you do show back up, we know, man, you're here. All right. And, 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 and if it's not the place, we'll help you find it. But, but Josh, you, you like working for, can I tell you where you work? Or is that secret? For the FDA, right? USDA? Yeah. And you go inspect, grow. Have you ever run across any, any grove guys or farmers that they're an expert and they're not? Because they studied some? You ever go, go against any guys coming out of college for your job that are experts that have never had a lick of experience, but they know everything they've been taught in college? So who's the real expert? You who've been doing it for so long or them who just got out of college with a whole bunch of head knowledge? Who's the real expert? Yeah, that's you. 
Yeah, your dad keeps trying to get out of retirement, and they keep bringing him back. Why? Because he can walk into a grove and say, you need this, you need this, you need this, and it succeeds. When all these guys who have no real experience don't really know. How many of y'all would say experience is a better teacher, is the best teacher? You need the, the, to know what the, you, there's no value in classroom experience. But how many of y'all got a degree in college or a degree in some training and you thought you knew everything? Let's just go with this thing. You start, you got the degree and you thought you knew everything. Come on, let me see your hand. All right? And then you, and then you started trying to do it and you realized, ooh, I might not know everything. And they read that phase. Or are you still thinking my college degree was everything I ever needed to know? Most college students after they graduate will tell you that they learn more in their first year of experience than they ever learned in their degree. But you need the degree as a basis. And then you learn. But how do you actually learn? Morgan, how do you actually learn? By doing what? By doing it. Man, when you went with uh, Ride Nature, right, Ride Nature, you were all the, man, they told you all about it. It was all about, oh, dude, I know everything there is to know about Ride Nature. Did you know everything you knew to know about it? No, in fact, as you went, it is Ride Nature, right? Yeah. Yeah, and as you went and did it, did you learn anything? Are you more, are you, are you smarter? Are you better because of what you learned over doing it? Yeah, you learn from actually doing it. And we live in a world now that thinks because they Google something up, or, oh, DuckDuckGo now, sorry, so Google can't trace you, but unless you go to the wrong site. But, man, we, we go and we can learn on the internet. Now I'm an expert. I don't care if you've been doing this your whole life. I just took a whole course in this. Now, and this is what the professor told me, and now I know it. How many of you have ever seen in your field where you truly are an expert through knowledge of, of continued learning and doing it, you've seen people come in thinking they knew everything because they just had an education? Yeah. There's a lot to be learned through experience, and that's what this gnosko is. He said, this grace and peace is going to be multiplied to you, not just added, multiplied, he said, to you as you grow in knowledge. As God shows you something about himself, and then you do it. You know what? Somebody, somebody gives you a new, they show you something, and you do it. Now you've experienced it, and nobody can take that from you. As you grow in the knowledge of God and our Lord and Savior, or uh, Jesus Christ. So we're all in the same boat. We're there because he saved us. He gave us the desire, gave us the ability through faith and grace. And if he's given you that now and you have a desire and never given your life to him, do it while the wind's still blowing. Do it while that desire's there because you may wake up tonight. You may leave here at the end of this. In another, you may leave and, and, and lose that desire. If you got the desire, take advantage of it now. Just so I can say this, how many of you have taken advantage of the desire God gave you to give your life to him? And are glad you did it. Okay, put your hands up. How many of you have done it and would raise your hand and say, it was the worst thing ever? Do not do it. It's eternal. Now I'm stuck with it. I hate it. I, would rather, I want to trade it in. Is there anybody who would do that? No. Not a single one, but millions like me that wish they'd done it sooner. If you're waiting until you figure it all out, it ain't going to happen. You ain't that smart. God's infinite and you are finite. That's why it's called faith. Whatever he reveals to you, you surrender to that, and he continues to reveal it. So, look at this. So, he's called us all in the same boat, but look, everyone's set up by Christ to supernaturally succeed. Not just succeed, but, but supernaturally succeed. And success is being who God wanted you to be. All right, check this out. His divine power. Where does divine power come from? 
God from heaven, so you got to get it from him. Hey, uh, I wonder, can we prop that, that door open a little bit and get some of that breeze in here? Would that mess things up? Oh, would it it'll probably mess up the sound? No? Because I don't know if it's hot or I'm just, because I was kind of stupid for wearing a sweatshirt today. But <laughs> is anybody else hot? Okay, good, good. I know when I'm hot, man, but maybe, maybe we prop that door open a little bit. Just throw that chair right in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, you don't want to do that. All right, good, good, good. All right. All right, so he set us up to supernaturally succeed. His divine power had, look at this, has granted to us when we get saved. What's the next word? His divine power is granted to us what? All. all. It, what does all mean? Yeah. All mean, Ryan, come on, man. You're fixing to go to school, man. You don't even need to go to school for this world. What does all mean? Everything. So there's nothing missing. All. He said his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, when you get saved, he's giving you a grocery bag. He's giving you a supply kit. He's giving you a locker of everything we need for a godly life. He's not calling you in the army and making you buy your own bullets, man. I'm just saying he's giving you everything you need to succeed. So if he's giving it to you, where do you got to go to get it? Him. So if he puts you in a rescue boat, all right, and you need things to stay dry, to stay warm, to be able to, you know, be able to do your job, you get it. It, it gets issued from him. He issues you everything you need to succeed in that current situation. And as I understand from Terry, when you're in different places and you go on different kinds of rescue missions, you get different kinds of gear. And each, it's not always the same. And your jobs kind of change. We'll talk about that in a little bit too at the next point. But he says, I'm giving you everything you need to have a godly life. You're kind of like a baby. Hey, Destiny, when that baby comes out, do you think that baby's going to be able to hunt like you and Jack? You don't? Yeah, not, not when it comes out, but eventually you think your baby, Jack, is your baby going to be able to shoot? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. It'd be a disgrace if he couldn't, right? It ain't your baby. It's a mailman's. I just know I'm joking, but I'm saying, y'all got to understand. I love it, but we know. He knows it ain't the mailman. It's not just you got a new job, but, but listen, man, that baby's going to learn how to shoot. Where's that baby? Hey, and Jack, you have an instinct. Do you ever go fishing, and, and it's rare if you go fishing and don't catch something, right? It's rare if you go in the woods and don't harvest something, right? you are just got that instinct where you go, what's that baby going to have? That same. He's got your genes, you know? That, that's going to be your son. He's not going to be exactly like you, but what I'm saying, he's got your genes. He's going to have a lot of the same things there. But is that baby going to have it the moment it comes out? No, but it's got the ability to have it. Now, what if that baby decides, I'm into video games, and I'm never going out in the woods, and I don't want to get dirty, and I'm just going to push buttons with my thumb? Is that baby ever going to learn to hunt like you? <laughs> no, you didn't hear me, Jack. If that baby, you're in a deer stand early, early in the morning, and it's dark, and the kid's got the phone going, and lights flashing off the glasses. No, he, yeah. The kid's on the bot eating bonbons, never goes out in the woods with you. He never gets to develop the skills is what I'm trying to get at. But Jack's like, no, this kid's going to do what I <laughs> That's my point. That's my point. Do you know God has the same tenacity about you? He says, Paul even told us, whatever God started in you, he's going to be faithful to complete. But it would be really cool if you let him complete it while you're here. It would be a lot better if your son would just throw down the video game and just use a real trigger. You'd pull regular, you know, go out in the woods and explore, right? Wouldn't that be, 
It would be much easier. And he could get to the place where you're at quicker with your wisdom, with your knowledge, with your ability. Are you going to make him go buy his own guns, like right off the bat when he's five? Or... All right, let me ask you that. Uh, Josh, how about Gunner? Is he buying his own guns right now? No. Who's buying his guns? Dad. Oh, no, not even you, huh? Dad? Yeah. I'm just saying, guys, and you can apply this to anything. That baby comes in. My grandbabies. Ashley just posted a picture of Alana and said, looks like we got another water baby. Duh! <laughs> it's like, yes, of course you got another water baby. You know, she'll be a woods baby too. But, but yeah, she's primarily going to be a water baby because we all have that potential to be like God. But the only way we become like God is by experiencing it and do it and develop the gifts that God has given us. He said his divine powers granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need for godly life. And it's like a baby. We have to grow. We, it's not like we just sit back and God just through osmosis makes us like him. What does he use to make us like him? Trials. Trials. Blessings, all kinds of, every single thing we go through is there to, for his glory and our good. It's to make us more like him. That's why we strive so hard here to do what? To help each other see life from God's perspective. But I've got to see it from that perspective to help you. And you've got to see it from that perspective to help me. So that's what we're doing in this family. Is we're helping each other see life from God's perspective. Because, hey, is there ever going to be a time where you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> That's destiny even sometimes, right? No, I'm just like, you know, here, put a thermosel in your pants. No, I'm just like, but literally, it's like, there is there, you think he's ever going to whine when you have him out there? You know, yeah, he's going to whine at some point, you know. But does that mean, oh, he's whining, let's quit. Oh, it's too tough, we won't do it anymore. No, whining's part of it. <laughs> whining is part of life. And, and it's better when you figure out whining isn't any good and you just actually start doing it. And then you start enjoying it. Now the benefits of going through those tough things are worth much more than the hardships that you went through. And again, you know when they're really going to be worth it? When we get to the banquet on the cruise ship. <laughs> we get to the banquet on the cruise ship, that's when it's all going to be worth it for us. But it ain't real bad while we're here. His divine powers grant all things that pertain to life of godliness, everything we need for godly, for to live a godly life. Um, but it's gained through knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Listen to what this means. And you know what? I, I think we're going to cut this message in half, not for any other reason other than the fact I think this is where God wants us to stop and what he wants us to think about today. I got a lot of people praying. And... Um, and I just really feel the Holy Spirit kind of wanted to end kind of with this part, and we'll pick the next ones up next week. But check this out. His divine power has given us everything we need. We're like a little baby. We have to grow. But how do we grow? He says we grow through the knowledge. Again, that word knowledge is gnosko. That's the experience. You do it, and now you're not. Not that I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan or a hero or any, you know, he's a you know, worshiper, a parrot head or whatever anymore. I don't even know who he is anymore. But I'm just saying, back then, there was a song, Changes in Latitude, Changes in Attitudes. Anybody say, or heard of it before? Yeah, he said, don't ever try to describe the ocean if you've never seen it. Why? Who knows the line? Come on. Don't ever try, try to describe the ocean if you've never seen it. You might just end up being wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and 
it, it, it's like you really don't know anything until you've really experienced it. And once you've experienced it, people can't take that away from you. That's your testimony. That's how we make scripture real. You can memorize all the scripture you want. But until you actually apply it to your life, it's not alive in you. It's not real. It's there, but man, once you really had it work in your life, now you can always come back to it. Gnosko is not a head knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. We try it out. God says, do it. We do it. And it works. And now we can continue to do it. So he says, the way we realize that we have everything for God to live in is through getting to know more of what he wants us to do and actually doing it. And again, I really believe that's our spirit-filled life. You want a spirit-filled life? One step is, what do you want me to do now, God? The next step is do it. And if I keep doing that, where am I moving? Forward, right? But Johnny, if all I ever do is say, what do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? Where am I going? I'm going in a circle. And what if I'm the busybody like, who was it, Mary? And, and that was Mara. And I was like, what do you, I'm doing this for you, God. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing it. Where are we going? Another circle, that spirit-filled life is pulling both oars in the water like we talked about. It's walking with both steps. What do you want me to do right now? And do it. What do you want me to do now? And do it. And he gives us all the power we need to do it, all the wisdom we need to do it, and all the faith we need to do it. We just have to do it. How many of y'all are afraid to take the next step because you don't know what's, what's the next step? You're, yeah, you know your next step, but you don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not going to step there. I don't know what that feels like. Ah! <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to step because I don't know what's down there. But God does. And if God tells you to take the step, you step in obedience. You're like, oh, yeah. All right, cool. Take another step. Boom. That's all God really wants you to do is take the next step, whatever your next step is. In fact, next week when we get into this, listen carefully, what he's going to tell us. He says, to your faith, you have faith, a little bit of faith to take a step. He said, add moral excellence. I mean, just do what he said to do. And then he said, to that, add knowledge. What else do you want me to do? And he tells you something, and now you do it. And then, and then he goes on, and he tells us all the things that keep adding. And what it does, it keeps us moving forward spiritually. And, our, and we realize what we have in him. And we get to have cool stories for being on his rescue boat. <clears throat> so, he said, it's through that experiential knowledge of him who called us. Look at this. He called us to himself. He called us to have the same glory and the same excellence that he has. Isn't that pretty awesome? How excellent is he? How, how, how excellent is he? And is there anybody more excellent? Is there anybody more glory? In fact, this glory really means God-likeness. He's called us to be like him. And the more we crucify our own desires and follow his, the more we are like that. How many of y'all want to be excellent? Or how many of you are saying, no, I'm just pretty cool with mediocrity. <laughs> you know, I'd really like to stink at everything I do. <laughs> there are some people because then there's no place to go but up. I do know people who are like, oh, I'm horrible at all this. And then they succeed. They're like, oh, they feel good about themselves by telling everybody how horrible they are. Anybody know somebody like that? That's not a good way to go. Because God wants you to be excellent. He wants you to be you. And if you're using his power, his presence, his perspective, man, you can be excellent at what he wants you to be excellent at. 
So look at it, it says, by which he has granted us his, what's this word Peter's using again? <laughs> precious and very great promises. Now he's saying God's promises are precious. Charlie, what makes God's press, uh, uh, promises so precious? That he helps us to grow in faith. Okay, so he helps us. What else? What else? Boston, what would you, Carol, I haven't picked on you all day today. What, what makes his promises so precious? They're forever. All right, good. Uh, Josh and Karen, I didn't scare you off last week. Y'all are back, at least this week, all right? Karen, what makes his promise so precious? Yeah, they're directed to us. They're forever. Anyone else? Steve, what makes his promise so precious to you? They're what? They're from him, and they're true. They're, 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 it's not a matter of if, it's when. So he says, by which he's granted us his precious and very great promise. There's a reason his promise is good. It's very great. And if God says it's very great, it's very great. And uh, it's a very great promise. So that through them, through the promises he gives you, you may be partakers or you get to share in his nature. Okay? You get to, how many of y'all would like to be a part of something so supernatural only God can get blamed? Dude, wouldn't that be a cool prayer? That's where I got that from. One of the evangelists, Morgan, back in the day, I want to say Billy Sunday, one of those guys, they would go into a town. This is back in revival days when they had tent revivals. And they would go into a town. He was a famous evangelist. He'd say, tell me your most notorious sinner. You know? And they would say, well, it's that Bob dude right there. He's the most notorious sinner in the town. So they would get the whole church together, including him, and they'd go... Knock on Bob's door. Bob would slam in his face. Bob would pull out shotguns. You know, I got rocks all over. And they would kneel down at his house and they would just pray. You think that worked? They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And, 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 and they had the first night of revival. Bob didn't show up. They'd keep praying and they'd keep knocking on his door. And about the third, fourth night, man, Bob would walk down the aisle in the revival. Everybody would go, oh. <laughs> And almost faint because Bob would just be like, I got to give my life to Jesus. And it was through the power of that prayer. And you know what Billy Sunday's prayer was? I think it was Billy Sunday. If not, it was one of those guys. But his prayer was, God, do something so supernatural, only you could get blamed. And for Bob to walk down that aisle and give his life to Christ, that was so supernatural, only God could get the credit for that. Man, what if we prayed that way? What if we prayed that way for all the things we got going on? God, do this in such a supernatural way that only you could get blamed. You know why we don't? Because sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it takes more faith. Sometimes God doesn't do it immediately in the way we want it. Instead, we're like, do it this way. Plan A, plan B. Here, do it this way. Step one, two, three. And then and God just says, no, man, I want to do this in a way that everybody knows it's me. And sometimes we're not patient enough. You know, when we used to go on the mission field, like into Trinidad and Jamaica, I'd bring a bunch of teenagers and stuff. We'd do all these vacation Bible schools and different stuff. And we'd bring all our supplies, and we'd run out of something or something. We'd need something. You know what we'd do in America if we did that? We'd just go to Walmart. We'd go to Publix. Go buy more cupcakes. Go buy more cookies. Go buy more balloons. Go buy. In Trinidad and Haiti and different places, you know what we do there? We pray. God, we don't have anything. What do we do? And God shows us things. And we're like, oh my goodness, look what God. And we figure out new things. So often in America, we have our, our plan A, which is God. But if it doesn't work out the way we want, we go to plan B, plan C, plan D. When God really wants to just be plan A and he wants us to wait. So man, 
I'm almost done here. Look at this. The divine nature. He wants us to share in his divine nature. But you got to have the guts to do that. Having, but look at the other advantage of his promises. This is probably a pretty cool one. Uh, it says, having escaped and continually escaping from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful human desires. I just wonder, I don't want to raise your hand, but how many of you have sinful human desires that get you every once in a while? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, I did it again. I didn't do what I wanted to do. Oh, I did the thing I didn't want to do again. Is there anybody, I will ask you right here, anybody here experience that? Yeah. And I'm not going to ask you what it is. I promise I won't ask you what it is. Unless you want to just tell us, and I'm just joking. But, but literally, do you understand you're in good company? That's the way the Apostle Paul lived. He so wanted to please God. He's like, oh, I didn't do what God wanted. Oh, my goodness, I did what he didn't want. You know what's worse than that? Not even caring what God wanted. So if you even care, that's God's grace in your life. How many of y'all care? Yeah. So don't beat yourself up when you keep, oh, I did it. But instead, don't get caught off guard. Take his promises and realize the devil can't make you do anything. I don't have to do it. If I just did it, I don't have to continue. Or if I didn't do it and I should have, I have the power. I can do it. God, please help me with faith. I believe, but help me in my own belief. So he says that his promises will help us continually escape the corruption that's in the world. Is there anybody here that would admit this world's a little corrupt? Is there any corner we can look where you don't see corruption? Do we not deal with corruption? John, you've been dealing with it in the medical world? You deal with it in construction? You, I mean, I, I listen, I, I could pull all these. We deal with corruption at all different levels. Wouldn't it be good to have an expert help us with corruption? Instead of, hi, if you speak English, press one. Oh, if you would like to speak to a representative, well, good luck. But if you'd like our automated service and you'd like a, to know where our website is and you would like to, you know, ah! here, Lord Jesus, I've opened your word and here's the Bible. Here's your promise to me, God. I know that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So give me that patience. Help me endure joyfully under a heavy load as I go through this, Lord. Help, help me to see this from your perspective and know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. That Know that you're going to make me better through this. And you're going to get glory through it. That's way better than pushing all the buttons on the recording. And it's just called prayer. I got to say this. I'm not bragging on Karen or whatever. But it kind of came up in our Wednesday night Bible study. Karen texted me in the morning. Wednesday was like, oh my goodness, do you have anything to pray for? <laughs> I mean, that's, that was the tone of it. And evidently she must have called other people. And if she didn't call you, give her your number. But she, I was wondering, why is Karen praying for everybody on Wednesday? Later on in Proverbs that night, we're doing our Bible study online and, and at Terry and Fernanda's house. It came up and said, Karen, so what do you do to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing when you're being led? And she's like, well, that's why I called you this morning. I was getting ready to do wrong things. I was getting ready to strangle coworkers and not be nice to people and all this other stuff. I'm not going to go into too much detail. But it was like... Man, I was getting ready to act wrong, so I needed people to pray for. So she started calling people and said, how can I pray for you? I'm not bragging on her, but it was this great conviction. It was like, wow, I should be the most prayingest warrior, prayer warrior there is while I'm driving down US 1 in snowbird season. Oh, my goodness. I should be praying up a storm. 
all the time I should be praying. Because if I'm thinking about the right thing, I can't be thinking about the... Yeah. So God, by his promises, whatever the promises are, he says, I'm going to help you escape continually from the corruption that is in the world. And the corruption's there because of sinful nature, both ours and the people who are offending us. And usually it's both. <laughs> he wants to get you straight and then have what they do not bother you quite so much. So, next week we'll start back with this, success is achieved by learning to use the equipment that our captain gave us. But I want to go to the summary real quick. And, uh, and we will end here today because I really think God shared what he wanted to share. Hope you heard him and not me. Um, really hope, that's what we pray. Um, I'm, I'm just his messenger. So listen, here's, here's the recap of the whole thing. And you'll get the other half next week. But as Christ followers, we're all in the same boat, different seats, dude. Paul, you're going to be rubbing elbows with Moses, Elijah. You are on the same level as the Apostle Paul. And Peter, the dude who wrote this, he said so. Because we're all saved the same way. Even if you just get saved today and die, you're in that same level right there. The people on the cross. Because we're all saved because of Jesus' righteousness. If you're ever going to try to get into heaven on your righteousness, you've already blown it. He requires perfection. How many of y'all blown perfection already? Yeah. You can't achieve it. He did and wants to apply it to you. So as follow Christ followers, we're all in the same boat, but we're in different seats. We all have been set up by Christ to supernaturally succeed. You've got everything you need to succeed in everything God brings you into. And if you don't know what that is, you need it, and you don't know what it is, pray. Pray and ask them. Dig in the scriptures. Take advantage of the opportunities given you because some of the things he's bringing you through now are things he wants to teach you so you can draw upon them later. But you are set up to supernaturally succeed. No, that's one of his promises. Number three that we looked at, but success is only achieved by learning to use the equipment our captain has given us. That I think we hit next week. Never forget that our boat, our captain's boat, the one that he's invited us on is a rescue boat. It's not a cruise ship. That will make all the difference in the world. Again, like I shared with Sabrina, you signed up for the Disney Princess and they throw you on a Coast Guard boat, you are disappointed. You are angry. You are upset. And many believers are upset for the same reason. When in reality, wouldn't it be much more adventurous to be on that Coast Guard boat? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? You know? And we'll talk more about that next week. But understand, God's got an awesome adventure for you. He loves you. And right now is not the time to be on the cruise ship. We will have plenty of time on the cruise ship later. Right now we're on the rescue boat. And don't forget it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take something we talked about today and would make it stick out in, in, in everybody today. Everybody, I pray everything, something different would stick out in everybody. But I pray that they would see that as you being alive and you speaking to their heart. You encouraging them, letting them know that you are alive. And you are the expert at everything. That you're all powerful, all knowing, and you're everywhere. And you want to use the rest of their life for an awesome adventure. Father, I pray that we wouldn't miss a single calling we have, a single opportunity 
a single adventure that you have set out for us. Father, I tell people paddleboarding all the time. Then the adventure is most fun planning for and talking about later. Sometimes if it was, it was all that great in the middle of it, it really wasn't an adventure. Father, help us to look for your adventures. Help us to serve you faithfully in such a way that when we face you, we would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not out of pride, but God, you'd be bragging on us because we actually used the faith you gave us. I pray, Father, whatever level of faith, however big or small our seed of faith is, we realize that it's still nothing more than a mustard seed. And if we don't use it, we lose it. But if we use it, you grow it and give us more. I pray, Father, that you'd speak to each heart today and every single person would have faith that would grow. And if someone's here that's never truly given their life to you, they don't know they're going to heaven when they die, they don't know that they're going because they've truly given you their life. I pray, Father, that like the wind, you would blow hard in their life. And you wouldn't let them go. You would just keep persistent with that desire to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. Don't let them sleep. Father, I'm not asking for them to be miserable, but if that's what it takes so they wouldn't be miserable in eternity, I pray you would just not let up until you have their attention here on earth. Father, as we talked about, there's nobody's given their life to you and wish they hadn't, but thousands like me wish they had done it sooner. So if someone needs to be saved, Father, do the most awesome miracle that's being done today, and that is taking a spiritually dead person and making them spiritually alive. And take us who are alive, and Father, give us the guts to use your grace to become more alive in you. I pray for these things in Jesus' name.